Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. I got my boom arm WD-40. Nice. It is lubricated. We're good to go. Look, I can move this. Look how much I can move this back and forth away from my my mouth. And it just, it's, look at it. Are we going to go back to old Anna podcast now that you lubed it up? Is it going to do this throughout the entire show? This is going to continually okay. fall through the entire show. We, may not no. see, we might not ever see that microphone again, you guys. That's true. It's gone. It's, it's, it's lost in an it's office. Not a bad we might never again. be in that office again. That might I, uh, not be a bad thing. Our, um, I have a coworker who left a nice pair of headphones at the office and just went home for the day. And then was told not to come back. And now he's like, I got to go back and get my headphones. <laughs> and he That's can't. That's funny. <laughs> oh, no. That's really funny. <laughs> At this point, I'm pretty sure those headphones are just going to be gone. Was, like, was he going to have seen them and just been like, mm, yes, those are was nice. It, was it let go, don't come back to the office or COVID, oh, no, no, don't no, come back was, to the office? It was COVID, don't come back to the office. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> We're not going back anytime soon. Nope. That's the nice thing about my office is I get to come back to it. Even though it's echoey today, I couldn't get the podcast room because I don't have a key to it and there was nobody at the front desk. Mm. So we're going to get so many comments about our audio quality, which will be it's new okay. for us. We've never experienced that before. Yeah, here's been there, done here's that. what I should, I've got a plan. I'm going to turn and face the wall away from the microphone and just talk loudly. There you go. <laughs> you get nothing but echo. There. That'll work. Oh really yeah. Well. It's all echo. Yeah. Just add a reverb on there. We'll be good to go. How have you all been doing? I haven't talked to you in a minute. Sorry that I've been MIA. Work has been it's a okay. little bit nutso. Um, great. I'm on vacation this week. Even better. That's how much I like y'all. Talking to you on my vacation. <laughs> are, you, are you in some place really cool? I'm in Tahoe. That's really cool. So, yeah. I mean, you're kind of always in Tahoe lately, but. Yeah. Well, I went back to San Francisco to move. Um, and now I'm in Tahoe. Did you get all moved? Yes. Everything's in the new place. I don't own a lot of things. I did buy an espresso machine. Ooh. What nice. How'd that go? So I mean, awesome. I want to know everything about that. The Breville double boiler. So one of our coworkers, mm. Amos Eric Ingenito. So San Francisco Carbon Five is like coffee nerd central. Yeah. It um, that really doesn't begin to explain the level of neuroses that go into coffee in the San Francisco office. They drive over to Sweet Maria's to pick up their coffee directly in Oakland. We worked with a person who did know all those we people at fresh, Sweet Maria's. Yeah, nice. yes, and we get like fresh bean delivery every week or whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. But he was super psyched about the Breville double boiler. And it's like not a super expensive machine, but he was like, it's as good as like the La Linnea mini we have at the office. I'm, I'm looking this up right now. It's a really good machine. And then I got the Vario. Yeah, I, Lincoln, I got Lincoln the same Slack. grinder we had in the office, the Vario W or the Vario. And with a couple of modifications, which I have to try. But if you, there's a couple of mods you can do to it. Eric sent me these two super nerdy coffee threads. You can make the grinder like amazing. This is pretty. This is this is pretty hype. It, when you're modding your coffee equipment, you, uh-huh. you've hit that level. Uh-huh. I I have a coffee grinder that I've or not a grinder. Uh, you were talking about the grinder, the a roaster that okay. I have done Modded. a lot with. <laughs> yep, and I even had a. I used to roast with a popcorn. 
yeah, hand crank the, the, popcorn roaster, mm-hmm. and I even put temperature sensors down in it and had it connected to the internet. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh my God, that's how I started. That's how I started roasting was just a hot air popcorn machine, but like one of the, you know, one of the electric recirculating ones or whatever. Oh yeah, but <laughs> yeah. you have to you have to take those apart because you got to. They have safety mechanisms on them that keep them from getting hot enough, so you got to rip those off. Unless you buy one at a at an auction for like an old farm because the, oh, the yeah. ones from the eighties never stop no matter how hot they get. Well, that's why that's, they awesome. put the, that's why they put the safeties on there. <laughs> so I think I had mine set up so you could turn it on. Like once you plug, I like hardwired the fan into it. So it was always spinning, mm-hmm. but then I could throttle the temperature control. Nice. Via oh, just nice. like turning it on. So I became awesome. my own pid loop. And I just sat there <laughs> turning it on and off again. We've officially become very nerdy, y'all. I am. I'm about to have to replace the burrs in my uh, grinder. My like now decades old grinder. The all the the, the burrs need to be uh, swapped Replaced. out because it, it no longer can grind very fine at all. So I'm not sure what's going on in there, but I'm going to take it apart and fix it. Well, anyway, those are like, cheap though. Are they? They're super cheap. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, for my, I have the, I have the, um, Encore. Oh yeah, that and one's a great. The, I had that grinder for a while. It's a great grinder. Yeah, and the burrs you can replace the burrs for like ten dollars. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm like, and that's I'm gonna try that immediately because that right? seems like a good a good choice. Well, like that's so much cheaper than a new grinder. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. So, so that's going to happen soon. That's awesome. Yeah, I was like, well, it's COVID forever, so I'm going to up my coffee game. And it's been amazing. Also, the double boiler was super clutch because, like, not having to wait for the steam. Mm, uh-huh. Yeah. It's really nice. So your coffee, this is everything can be fresh and hot mm-hmm. instead of sitting around waiting. Yeah. Did it's you a get good this machine. cranberry red one? No. <laughs> it they have a cranberry awesome. red one? Yeah, it's what? like it's uh, they do on Amazon. Link it, link in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes for <laughs> for everyone. But this is this is. I mean, I don't normally go for you know a lot of colors, but this cranberry red one I feel like is a is, is pretty. Oh yeah, it's that looks nice. nice. Yeah. No, I got the silver one. Word. Um, but it's it was I got it on sale. And it was like a good deal, and because especially comparing to like our La Linnea Mini at work, which is like fifty five hundred dollars. Yeah, it's a it's it's costly. It's, it's a costly. costly thing. No, the one I got is like was like a thousand dollars, which is still costly, but for an espresso machine, not that costly. Yeah, yeah, that's fancy. Oh, okay, I gotta put this away. Do not add to cart. The world's Do falling apart. Don't add to cart, Keithley. <laughs> the world's falling apart. I need a new espresso. I'm just, machine. yeah, I'm right? sitting here telling myself, it's like, we're on the, we're literally on the precipice of a depression. So let's just put this back. Let's not put this in the cart right now. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, I've been eyeing it forever and I don't oh, ever no. buy myself expensive things. So I was like, I'm doing this. I'm not judging you at all. Like, le- mm-hmm. like, like legitimately zero judgment. I would totally do this. I would I think it's a good it's a good investment. Sure. If I didn't it have to convince happy. my wife that it was a good investment, I would have already bought it this morning. <laughs> I mean, I can't get fancy coffee anymore. So now That's I can right. make fancy coffee. 
Are you going to judge yourself when you when you get coffee? I mean, totally. how do you? I mean, totally. that's part of it totally. is you need the judgment. Right, you got to have the judgment, especially in San Francisco where you're paying six dollars for a cup of coffee. Yeah, so yeah, but it's made with love mm-hmm. and judgment and judgment, a very judgmental kind of love. Uh huh. Totally. Is this coffee shade grown or sun grown? <laughs> <laughs> um, what kind of bean do you want? I don't know what's good. Uh, I'm sorry, they're both good. They're all good. Yeah. <laughs> We wouldn't serve coffee here if uh, it wasn't good. I mean, have you ever been to a uh, dandelion chocolate? Have you ever had dandelion chocolate? It's like I this, am, I've heard about it. It's I've like never a handcrafted, whatever, like artisanal chocolate factory in San Francisco. And the chocolate's like legitimately really good, but it's funny because I got some as a gift. And their bars have like tasting notes because it's like single sourced cacao from wherever. And then like, it's really funny. It's kind of awesome. I, the the most hipster thing I've ever done <laughs> is one time in an art gallery, I did a water tasting. And they had multiple <laughs> cups of water. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I was like, I as it was happening to me, I was like, I'm getting pumped. Ashton Kutcher is around the corner. The Cooch is here. We're ready to pop out and be like, we got you. But no. It was for reals, and the and the small the the kid like behind the the bar who's serving these cups of water had on an authentic like leather canvas apron and was taking it very seriously, which did not help the situation. dispel any myth about it being a punk. Like I was, like, <laughs> this is that all that does is reaffirm for me that oh, yeah. there's a hidden camera somewhere. Which water here. was the best? I don't. I can't. You know the. Arkansas natural stream water was pretty good. It was pretty good. That's uh, there, oh. you know, they had one that had a lot of mineral content in it that I was not a fan of personally. It, it was barrel aged for fourteen years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and sherry casks. Oh my god, <laughs> that is hilarious. I, I think after like the third water, I would have just pretended that I was starting to get drunk. I have a picture of it be like, somewhere. You're like, gosh, this vodka—it's so smooth. Maybe that'll. Maybe the. Maybe that picture will be the the show art. Oh yeah, there you go this, for this episode. <laughs> what year was this? Oh man, that's really that funny. Good stuff. Back when we were in the time where we could be outside and you know talk to other people. Exactly. Exactly. Which who knows when that's going to be again? Well, you know. Probably in 2021. Maybe. You know. I was reading a tweet. Somebody said something like, somebody was like, oh, somebody bought a 2021 calendar from us the other day. <laughs> They're an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have so many things to schedule. <laughs> uh, we're going to make it. Oh my I God. was telling somebody this the other day, but I do, in in a very weird sense, I feel like I am living in a very, very specific sense. I feel like I am living partially my best life under quarantine. Because you don't have to go out and do things? I don't have to go out and do things. I I actually have way more engagements with my friends. Because you know, it's online? I like, yeah, because we like play games online now. And like nobody ever would have started playing games online prior to this. And it's like, there's all these things that are, uh, in some ways, I'm sort of like, you know, I'm really happy with 
some of the life things that have come out. I, I'm not happy. So everybody's talking about with, uh, you know, picking up their their quarantine habits, like new sort of hobbies and stuff like that. And I haven't really developed any sort of quarantine hobbies per se, unless you count low grade constant general anxiety, in which case oh, yeah. I have definitely picked up a hobby, Totally, totally. <laughs> which same. is basically just same, being same. nervous all the time. Same, same. <laughs> so in that regard, it's a real downer. It's a really, <laughs> it's really not good. But I am, you know, playing games with friends now, which is oh, there you that go. Part's fun. Oh, all my friends I mean, like, are playing Counter-Strike again. I feel like, yeah, for me also, like weird silver linings, not the low grade anxiety. That's a real thing for me also. But like, there are many, I'm like up here in the mountains and it's gorgeous and it's like such a privileged thing to be able to do. But there are so many years where I like never came up here in the summertime because mm-hmm. just work. And like last night I have a friend visiting who's also been quarantined. And like, there's a meteor shower last night. So we like drove out to like a meadow and like hung out and just like looked at the stars. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, pre-quarantine, I would have just been working all the time. Right. Did you go see the, the, the Perseids? Was mm-hmm. that what? Cause it's the Perseids awesome. are out right now. That's exactly what it was. And it was amazing. We saw some really, there was, it was beautiful. And I'm like, I'm at, we were like at 8,000 feet and it was like in the meadow cause I'm in the mountains. Right. right? So like, there's no light pollution. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, that's awesome. I'm very jealous of you. My daughter and I attempted to see Neo Eyes for a whole week, and it was raining here the entire week, and we could never find like a night like at the perfect time. And we have a lot of light pollution Mm -hmm. not far from us, so we never managed to see it. But it was fun going out, yeah, and being able just to go out late at night. Yeah, exactly. That water photo is hilarious. Yeah, that's the show art, so everybody will get to see it. It's so good. It's an elixir podcast. That is, water is a base component of, of elixir al- of alchemic al- mm-hmm. alchemy. There you from go. what I understand, it's a little bit of a stretch, but yes. And it and it has three elixir drops on it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's on brand. That's We're right. always on brand, y'all. <laughs> when your brand is not having a brand, yeah, it's you can always be on brand. It's like expectations. You want to set them low. That's what we we're doing. We're just like digging a trench for the bar. We haven't set it just yet. Just like our, our still audio digging. quality. <laughs> hey, how's this? How's the sound? <laughs> At least your boom arm isn't just falling constantly. <laughs> oh, you oh, all man. miss my microphone. I, I do. Yeah, it's just because it's it was like a game. <laughs> it was like part of the show, you, y'all. Watching you constantly try to lift the boom arm back up. <laughs> um, Good times. So, coffee machines and modding. Yes. Are, are you trying to steer us onto a real conversation here? Yeah, I was, 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 was going like, to ask gonna... you if if you're one of those people that's like I. You get into a technology and you're like, I wish everything in my house ran on that technology no absolutely no. not no. i'm the opposite of that <laughs> you learn too I'm, much about I'm it that, you're like oh my whatever, gosh whatever the flip of it is <laughs> yeah whatever the I, not so you take is. that you take that reverse it that's what i am <laughs> i know too many things about how this could break so it needs to be in something else yeah or just like i know too many ways that this is spying on me <laughs> or I know fair, like fair. I know too many ways that this is like violating some sort of human rights somewhere and I will not be part of it. Oh, I didn't know we were talking about Bitcoin now. Oh yeah. 
Who needs icebergs? Um, oh my god! I rem- oh, yes. So on, on a serious <laughs> note, though, um, just I I'm been trying to figure out. We're, I'm doing a lot of interviewing of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to Are figure out. Are you hiring? Out, I am hiring. Whoa, for what? Um, mid level developer. Well, for I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I didn't want to assume. I figured it was first. I don't know what role. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I, I want to hire a mid-level developer. <laughs> what else would he be hiring? And then, and then Thanks, a, a jun- the junior developer after that. So that we have somebody Sorry, from, we, are, we aren't listening to you, Amos. That's that fine. I just keep talking to myself. This is, this is just like talking to my kids. I was I'm waiting for it. Keithley to explain to me because I didn't understand what you were hiring. Oh. <laughs> well, actually, what he's trying to do is... <laughs> I love it. Keith, that's great. Um, so you're hiring a mid-level developer. Mid- mid-level developer. And then within like six months after that, I'd like to add a junior developer to try cool. to round out like the whole the team. team. Yep. And then start on a second team. So, Remote? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would love to have somebody who's here in Kansas City. I mean, let's face it, though, even if they were in Kansas City right now, It'd they would probably be remote. Be remote. COVID, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I have a giant office, and I come to work, and there's somebody else that does. So, like, but we Connor's have remote, of, right? Connor's remote. Connor lives in California, so he likes the beach too much. Yeah, and and he came here once, and he saw the river, and he didn't count it as a beach. So, I mean, it's not a beach. <laughs> yeah, because it's not. Because <laughs> it's a river. It's there like, was a beach on the side of the river. One of these no, things not. is not like the other. <laughs> there's a beach in Tahoe. See, you, lake. Can't, Beaches. you can't bring uh, silt and sand into an area, <laughs> dump it on the ground and be like, we have a beach now. <laughs> we have a beach. Like, that's, not how, that's not math. That's Magic not how beach. that works. Is it not how that works? <laughs> that's not how that works. Oh, uh, can, can I can I go back to my topic? I really yes, could use your sorry. help. Your <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so We're very focused today. I, I'm, I'm not really, but I'm trying to be. <laughs> I've, can I go get some coffee? I'll be right back. No, <laughs> no it's a uh, uh, like I, w- I want to pair with people during an interview, mm-hmm. and and I, it's not like a, I don't want to do a. I'm not really trying to figure out technical skills that much. More like how are we going to work together? But coming up with a problem that you can get through pretty well in an hour, uh, and see how it's going to be to work with somebody has been really tough for me in Elixir. Why is that? Um, because I feel like if I don't touch OTP, <laughs> that's not funny. That's a legitimate question. It is. It is. <laughs> well, did, I'm sorry. Did something I say was I think, something I said I funny? Think Anna's, Anna's been at a water tasting this morning. I think <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, um, no, it's it's like I I feel like I we should. Do something with OTP, and well, then and then I'm like, and then I'm like, nah, we but can like, just do. But do you? Why do small. you feel like you need to do something with OTP? I thought you literally just said you weren't hiring, hiring for, technical for technical skills. skills. <laughs> I'm not. I know, and I, but, but I feel like everything else is so minimal that I don't. There's not even much of a problem to work through together. Like if I'm like, hey, let's. So so uh, this morning I had I did an interview. It was 8 a.m., so I had to pick something really light. And I said, given a list of integers, what's the smallest integer that's missing? 
mm-hmm. and let's try to do that. And then, you know, we did go through and say, okay, well, we if we sort them and then map them to their index and then when it doesn't match its index, it's it that's the missing one. But that steps through things multiple times. So then we got into talking about how we could functionally split it. And that was great. And I think it worked well and was small and allowed us to talk back and forth. But mm-hmm. it, it, I just felt like something was missing. I don't know. What do you feel like was missing? Like what about the candidate? Do you feel like you don't have a good grasp of? I, I guess I felt like there wasn't really a lot of problem solving. Mm-hmm. So I really still feel like I don't know how we would solve problems together well. I mean, how long was the interview? An hour. Are you going to get that from an hour? Um, I feel like I have before in the past. So when I did, I so a lot of times um, when I do an interview in like an OO language, I'll say let's let's build a stack and mm-hmm. assume there are no arrays in the language. So you had to build your own nodes and stuff like that. And we write tests for it. And I felt like that exercise seemed to, it, it was a little more complex than just find the smallest number in a list. Mm-hmm. And, but not, but not too complex that you couldn't do it in an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe part of it is that the problem you picked was bad, which happens all the time. I mean, people pick terrible interview problems all the time. Mm -hmm. I think as a rule, you can expect that most interview questions are bad. At some point, yeah. At some point, yeah. Well, and and like, I think they're so, well, they're also like self-fulfilling. Like if you, you know, like if you read Cracking the Coding Interview or whatever that that book is called, which is a good book. Like it's, it's a good book, but like, it's It's a good book to teach you a bunch of crap that you don't actually need though. Well, and it's also like, a good book Sorry. if what you want to do is get a job at Google. Yeah, that's, that's what like I mean. the context of well, it. Yeah, if you need Which, if you I mean, wanna, maybe that's a goal. If you want to learn like solutions to specific algorithms that you may or may not use ever. Yes, it's a good book. And but also that becomes self-fulfilling because people study that book, they get jobs, and then they use they're like, Well, that helped me get a job here. I'll just go and coming up with interview questions is hard. And so then they go get questions from that book. Mm, yeah. And then it becomes like a self-fulfilling thing. Like that's pretty do you have so like a, I, I don't know. I just pulled mine out of the out of thin air and was like, I don't. I'm well, not even sure how I would do it. And I so thought that I mean, was good for something the approach. That, I mean, interviewing is hard in general, but like I think an hour long. I think it's actually really hard to gauge someone's problem solving capability in an hour. Yeah. Because I feel like I've seen candidates where they're really good in like a, an hour long problem solving session, and then you start pairing with them for like let's say a four hour session on like a real feature on a like an application, and like. It's not good, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just really hard to gauge. And I wonder if like, and again, your time is valuable and their time is valuable. But I feel like the best, at least I've seen, is like if you can, if you can extend it and pair with somebody on building, not just solving a problem, but like trying to build something, right? Like if you have an application that's, even if it's a toy application, but you're like, okay, we're going to implement this thing in this application. It doesn't matter if you finish it. I yeah. did have an interview at another company that I worked at where we interviewed somebody and I talked to my manager into putting them on like a one day contract and just mm-hmm. paying them for eight hours to come in and work with us. Mm-hmm. That was That's the best. That's that was the best. Yeah. I mean, we, we used to do, so at carbon five when I in Chattanooga anyway, 
we would do, and I think this is actually what I interviewed with when I interviewed at Carbon 5. We did an extended period of like actually pairing on a real problem in as much as that was possible given the nature of the contract. Sometimes like contracts are like NDAs and stuff like that. And so like as long as you don't have that kind of thing, then they would actually pair on a real problem. And the other half was doing a toy problem. And that was like the the sort of the toy problem was was the uh, what's the what's the term? Like it's like the first gate, essentially. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the toy problem when I did it was Pig Latin. Like you had to build a Pig Latin yeah, translator. We do that very early. I mean, we do another thing now, which is like tennis building. Tennis, okay. Got which it. Which is an interesting problem. Like tennis scoring or tennis scoring. Okay. Um, and then it's weird. In, in every iteration, it's weird, but in every iteration, you like add constraints. Yeah. It, um, yeah. That, and that was how pig Latin worked too. It was like translate this word and you pair on it. So in your case, as the interviewer, you would write a test case for them and then, you know, work with them to solve it. And, and the cool thing about those problems is that you build on them iteratively. You don't have to sort of, you can really guide that uh, mm-hmm. but it also takes skill as a interviewer like to to like what's the right way to say this it, you you have to be really clear about how you're presenting the problem and then using the knowledge that you gain in context because depending yes. on how good you are at facilitating that that person's either going to super get it or not basically just depending on how well you are, how good you are at explaining the problem. And if you suck at explaining the problem and then they don't understand what you're asking and they don't know how to solve it. And then you go, well, they sucked at solving this problem. It's like, that's not, that was not an accurate representation of what actually happened. Yeah. So we would do that. And that was fun because it's a thing that everybody knows. Like you, you pick a problem that either you, either everybody understands it or everybody understands that it's weird and you may not know all the rules like tennis. Like I actually don't know that I could explain the rules of tennis, like the scoring for tennis, but I know they're weird. And mm-hmm. I know that it, I know that it's numbers that increase up until it becomes love. It starts I clearly don't know the rules already, but, but like but yeah, the, 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 yeah. the, the, the nice thing is like, it's actually better if somebody doesn't, right. Because then you're just like, you kind of explain the overview mm. and like how the problem works. You don't actually have to understand the rules of tennis. Kind right? of like working on a real project, a new one. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, like I think the tennis thing is great. But like, like my point is, you don't actually have to understand tennis, right? Like you just you, then then the interview could just give you like, like Keithley said the constraints that you iterate on, right? Like it's like well, we're building this thing, and I think it's a good problem because it allows for a lot of because you can iterate similarly to the pig Latin thing on it, mm-hmm. and kind of see how somebody's thinking. And there's a bunch of ways to solve it too. Yes. And and I think it's really, really important to not apply your biases. Yes. Or rather to be aware that you have biases and mm-hmm. to not look for a solution, but to look for the things like at least at C5, when I was running that problem for candidates, the thing I was looking for and I did, would tell them that I was looking for before we even started, mm-hmm. you know, I would say. I actually don't really care how you solve this problem. What I am going to be, what we're kind of trying to determine here is how well that you and I can work together and how well you can explain your thought process. To exactly. Me. Because at C5, that was important because we were always pairing with cl- with clients. Mm-hmm. And so being able to sit there and hold a client like 
kind of hold their attention, be able to work well with them, to be able to go into a situation to work with somebody you'd never worked with before. That was actually like an important part of the job. Yes. So that like I would state that for them up front. That's what I'm looking for. That I'm going to probably push you on some technical things only because that'll create interesting conversation for us. Mm-hmm. And we just like tell them all that stuff up front because that's important for them to understand it too. To be understand what the rubric is that they're well, being graded on. To Keith Lee's point, like letting go of the bias around the solution, and if you're really looking for how they problem solve, like paying attention to that, right? And like how their like their thought process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because like learning to solve problems in a particular way, or learning to work with a particular stack, or learning like all of that can be learned, right? And especially for like you want someone who like you get an understanding of how they think about problems and whether or not that's going to work. You know, or how they communicate specifically. Communication is really hard, right? That's a really good point, Keith. Like how they communicate their thinking, because mm-hmm. that's critical to being able to work well with somebody. Right. Yeah. And and in certain jobs, maybe it is the most important thing that you know how to that you don't need to ever talk to anybody, and actually you just need to know how to build hash maps, or you need to be able to reverse linkless right. or whatever. Right. I don't personally think that that's true. When have but- you ever needed to reverse a linkless? Uh, not often, (laughs) not that often as it turns out, but all that to say, there's probably a job where somebody does totally, I'm not invalidating that. And I was a little bit flippant when I was like clacking the coding interviews dumb. It's not like there's good. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, it depends depends on on what you want to get. I I think if you're working on it, if you're working on like embedded systems, a lot of times that those things get really important. So that's like, I look for the thing, same things that. Um, you are guys have though? mentioned looking for. Are they though? I uh, sometimes. They're, they're sometimes super they're super not. <laughs> those things can be learned, right? Does somebody need yes. to know them coming into right. the job? No. As long as as long as somebody or a couple people on the team know those things or at least know how to find them, exactly. You're you're usually good to go. Mm-hmm. So I look for the same things that you guys said, and then there was one other thing that I often try to look for is like after we have a solution, analyzing and picking apart our own solution. Like, can mm-hmm. we do that? Mm-hmm. And how how does a person mm-hmm. handle any sort of criticism of it? Like, do they try to wash it away and say, oh, well, that doesn't matter? Or do they try to hear you out? And, and I don't mean negative criticism. I think you get the same thing from just pairing on building something for real. Yeah, right? like a like real thing. With, Without picking something apart, like if you, you get the same thing with like, because when you're working on something, you're collaborating and you can be like, well, I have this, like you can, you can kind of let them lead. Right. But if you don't like where they're going, you'd be like, well, what about like, or even if you do like where they're going, you'd be like, have you considered this approach? And you can see how they react to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like, even just that, just like, no, my way or the highway or like, yeah, let's talk about it. Like, why do you like that? Well, that is very telling about how somebody works with somebody and how somebody communicates. Right. Right. And it's not, it's not complicated. It's not a lot, but you can very quickly tell what it might be like, right? <laughs> or how somebody navigates uncertainty, jumping into a new code base, especially because you do consulting, right? Like some jumping into a new problem, like figuring it out, like in an existing code base, like started, where do they start? What do they look for? Like, how do they approach testing? It's very telling. More so than like an hour of solving a specific problem. So if you can, I feel like if you can, and if you have the bandwidth to like, let's work on a thing for a few hours, that's a much better, in my opinion, um, interview. Yeah. And, you know, that's another way to, I mean, the most ridiculous story that ever happened when I was interviewing somebody is we had, I mean, it was, it was a long time. Let's be clear. Like we were going to work on a real problem together. Like, and that, I think it was like three hours. 
they four, were like, like scheduled, three or four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to like work on a real problem for a real client with us, right? And I get that that's a long time, but this was a person who did not, who was just out of college and did not have a job and wanted a job. And I was like, okay, like, and I know what I did. I know all the things that I did to get jobs when I was starting. They straight up just quit halfway through. They just like put their head on the desk and did not pick it up again. And then like wandered around the room and like did not come back to like help me. And, and it was, and at that point I was like, okay, well this person just can't hack it. Like can't work here. And like, you learn those sorts of things. And it's like, I get that that's not necessarily fair, but like, I don't know. You get like one shot at interviewing and stuff like that. And then like, Mm -hmm. well, especially if you're interviewing more junior candidates, right? Like what you're looking for is like willingness to learn ability to stick with it. Right. Like ability to want to work through a hard problem, even if it doesn't make sense because that's going to happen a lot. Right. Like, especially with junior candidates, like you're not, you, you can't expect experience, right. Because they don't have experience. And so what you're looking right. for is like listening, communication, aptitude to like understand what you're trying to communicate. How do they communicate their own thinking? Like how, you know, are they willing to like try and work through the thing and how, you know, what is their attitude as they're doing that? Right. Like that's right. also very telling. Can you just stick with a problem even when the problem gets hard? It's hard. Cause we've all been there where you're just like, computer i'm telling you to do the right thing but you're not doing the right thing and then you realize that you're telling the computer to do the wrong thing but like it takes a while to figure it out and that takes some level of like willingness to stick with it Um, i think there's also i mean i kind of want to go back to something that you were you mentioned amos Mm -hmm. not to you know put you on blast but you said something interesting which is that you felt like it was much easier to interview people in oo languages and I wonder, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot, but I feel like we have, I know you a little bit yeah. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> you know, we, we've only talked a couple, a handful of times, but <laughs> I, I feel like you went really hard into like Ruby and OO principles and like you, you went deep on some of that stuff. Yeah. And that probably coincided with a specific part of your career, like a specific time in your career where that was important to you. And I think I I wonder to which, and you would have, you would, you'd be the only one who would know this, but I wonder to which interviewing in those languages was easier for you because you cleaved closer to an established set of rights and wrongs when it came to OO design and OO languages, like you knew a lot more about it. Like you, you understood it more and you had in your head a framework for how you ought to be building object oriented systems, Ruby systems, what have you like, because you had gone deep and I wonder to which, you know, and not to say that you have not gone deep on Elixir, but I also get the sense from, you know, the one or two times that we've talked that, you don't care as much about those rules uh, in Elixir. And that probably has way more to do with where you are in your career than it does about That's Elixir or functional programming. Like, like we've talked about TDD before and you, mm-hmm. you know, you like TDD, you've done a lot of TDD, but you don't necessarily cleave to TDD as like a, 
as the like the one true way to build systems anymore that you might have in a previous incarnation of you. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't necessarily worry about somebody else doing it, but I still really. Well, that, that, <laughs> all that to say that, I like, mean, you're, you, may, you, you might have a lot more gray in your opinion of like what it means to build good software these days than you used to, and thus it's not really a function of OO or functional I mean, this is programming just, for that yeah. matter, right? Like, my question is like. It doesn't have to, especially if somebody's coming in, it's like mid-level, but doesn't have a ton of functional programming or you're having a hard time. It's just like, what are you testing for? Functional programming is a pattern, right? It can be learned just like anything else, right? Like, it's just a different way of writing code, right? But like, and it, you know, it it depends on like, again, what are you testing for when you're interviewing? Right. And I'm not, like I said before, I'm not really after technical skills, but I want a problem that's difficult enough that we're not done in 10 minutes. <laughs> right. I mean, I think right. building anything is going to give you more if you're like, I don't know, like some of the stuff we were building, we're like, well, we need, you know, some of these problems were like, especially if coming into a new system or an existing, it's like, well, we need to add whatever this attribute to a user to be showed displayed, whatever, like just going if, if any kind of like web, whatever, whatever you want to build or embedded systems. Like if you think of like a small thing that you would build to add to your, like, That'll take a, anybody new who is not familiar with the code base a few hours, right? And like building, it's not so, so much more than just solving the problem. It's like, how do you navigate an existing code base? You know, like how proficient is somebody in just like jumping in and thinking about it? And how do they think about, how do they think about that? Where do they start? Like all of that is really important and really telling and has nothing to do with the problem you're solving. But I think speaks to someone, speaks to how much experience someone actually has in working on any given project. Yeah, and I think... And, and I have internal projects too. So even if a client's not here, maybe if as long as I mean, people we used feel to work on an internal project as well mm-hmm. at C5, like when we, yeah. like, there was one that we was like long running and like just pick up, like, there was like a couple stories that were like features that somebody would implement over and over again on branches, right? Nothing got merged in, right? But it was just like, oh, let's work on this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, I guess I bring all that stuff up about OO also just to maybe say, I wonder. Because you're mean. Just kidding. No, no, no. Yeah, because I'm because I'm a jerk. I I just wonder if maybe there's not some amount of unconscious bias happening there that maybe you and I. I mean, I'm I might be totally way off base on that. Yeah, you know I mean, that might be projection on my own part because I know that's how I feel about my own career, and where now I feel like it it is it, when things are less clear about what like right and wrong. It's much harder to to judge yeah. when you, when, when you feel like what you're trying to judge is, is this right or wrong? Um, so I don't know. There's something, so that's just something to consider. I, I have no idea if that's correct. And, and I, and, and I do think a lot of it is I understand the complexity of how long it takes to, it's easier for me to pick a problem in OO that I know this is probably going to take about an hour. Right. It, and, and in, a functional mindset. I'm like, mm, this might take about an hour and then it takes 10 minutes or it takes right. two, four hours. Like I, I, I don't have that level of judgment. That's fair. I mean, I think it's going back to like, what skills are you looking for? Right. right? And then like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you facilitate that? And I would like, it's not as much about the problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah. Right. Um, that's like the, the problem is a conduit to understanding to trying to learn more about this person. Right. And so, like, 
Saturday. And being clear and being clear yeah. with them about what it is. That's, that's also super important. Stating clearly to the candidate what it is that you're looking for, like doing that up front and, and being really clear about what is, what is you having a job at this company look like mm-hmm. and what, how this interview is going to go specifically the things that I'm looking for, uh, things I'm not looking for, like being honest about that and upfront about it. Like, don't hold that close. You know, there's no reason to do exactly. that. Exactly. No, there's no, no reason. Like, I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying, you know, people out there listening, if you ever interview somebody, I think I could tell clarify them what you're looking it. for. I think I could clarify it. I, I'd try to tell them, but I think it would be almost better if it was like a bulleted list. Here are the three things that I'm trying to figure out in pairing with you. Mm-hmm. I think that's totally actually very reasonable. I agree. And, and that allows them to tailor their expectations. And also it gets a, it gets a feel for what it's going to be like to actually have to work with you. And right. also, you know, they can put, I mean, it's interview is hard. And it's so really putting, hard. A, and, and many people are not good at it. Most. And so putting, being able to focus your energies and your mental capacities onto specific things that you want to, to show and demonstrate that you're qualified at. That's, that's really important. Exactly. And it's not easy, right? Like, as Keithley said, like, like it's not going to go perfectly. But again, I think going back to like, what are the things you're looking to get out of this is, is an important place to start. Well, unfortunately I have to run. Um, okay. Actually, I should got, too, actually. I'm late for a meeting. All right. Well, I won't, to catch I up won't with stay you in podcast alone then. I'll go to You can do, um, listen, I'm not going <laughs> to tell you I how to live your life. I think work is a little bit calmer, so I'll be able to do this more regularly. Awesome. Good deal. Um, Keep us posted on the interviewing. I'm curious. Yeah, I miss you guys too. I'm curious to see how that goes. Yeah, Yeah. good luck on it. Thank you. Thank you. We've had uh, way more resumes than the two full-time developers have time to actually go through. So it's been been slow. That's fair. All right. All right, y'all. 